In the Name of Overhead Athletics podcast, where we cover rehabilitation, biomechanics, human movement, and optimizing human performance. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dustin Peace of Location Nation, formerly Peace Baseball. And Dustin is actually a former professional pitcher, Division One baseball player. Uh, he was actually on the National Player of the Year watch list for a little while. And he's going to be talking to us a little bit about accuracy training, um, his journey through baseball as more so a pitcher who focused on finesse and he ended up getting to a very high level in baseball with a slightly different approach mastering the skill of pitching the baseball so that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today welcome to the podcast thanks for having me on you know excited to be here it's always fun to kind of talk pitching talk baseball and first podcast of 2021 so we'll just start it off with a bang there we go there we go so if you go on your stats they're very impressive through college it ended up getting you a professional baseball contract. You led your team in, I believe I saw wins, strikeouts, shutouts, inning pitched in college um, for a career. Talk us through how you got to that point, You know what allowed you to be successful, and then what actually led to you developing Location Nation? Yeah, so the um, story's pretty interesting. You know, I grew up in Baltimore. I, uh, I was fortunate enough to go to uh, Archbishop Spalding High School. Um, which is a private school in the Baltimore area. Um, I was uh, able to run into a, my pitching coach, who was actually the bullpen catcher for the Orioles. And um, we got, we kind of created a very close connection when I was young, uh, starting right around eighth grade. And uh, for me, like everything was just kind of like understanding like what the best players in the game were doing to work on pitching. And, um, you know, contrary to what we hear a lot today with, with, velocity you know they he would tell me over and over and over again they're always talking about location they're always talking about command and I thought that was always very fascinating to me being that they always they all threw so hard but the main thing they talked about was location and how that was so important to their success in the games so after years of mentorship with him um, I kind of took it upon myself later through high school to kind of start working like very specifically on my accuracy. Um, this was after I kind of got my patterns together and my mechanics. And uh, I really, really kind of started focusing on that. And, you know, I'll probably, we'll probably jump into that in a little bit, but that acquiring that skill in high school um, helped me display it through some showcases. I was fortunate enough to get a division one scholarship um, but just by one offer because <laughs> I still wasn't throwing all that hard. Um, and I, I just feel like, you know, with how much I, I, I trained in that sense and my ability to, to execute so many different pitches in so many different locations, I was really able to, dis, to display on a bigger stage, on a Division I stage, that location's pretty important. And um, I feel like it was, I was able to display it through four years of college, and I was, I was also fortunate to kind of go on and play another six years of professional baseball. Um, and I was always trying to throw harder, and I think that's a big misconception with with what I'm doing Location Nation, is that I, I hate velocity, and, and that's not the case. And I'm always just trying to it's always trying to execute at a higher velocity. And, and that's something that we're all trying to do here uh, where I train as well. Location Nation kind of started when I finished my playing career and I went back to Mount St. Mary's, my alma mater, to coach again. And uh, there was, you know, had 13 guys on the staff. Majority of the guys were upper 80s. We had a few guys that were low 90s. And, you know, I just felt like they were inherently stuck in this, like, culture of the game of intensity and, and intensity intensity and they didn't have any skill they couldn't execute any of the stuff they had and a lot of them had really awesome stuff like much better stuff than I could have ever had 
And um, it was just a really interesting process. You know, half the staff was able to kind of adopt some of the methods that, that I kind of set in place. And the other half just, they couldn't get past the intensity aspect of it. So uh, I just kind of like, I felt like it was a bigger message. I was like, I need to get this out. I need to like talk about this message in a, in a bigger, to a bigger audience. And I had no idea how it would go, but it just seemed like a lot of people still embrace the idea of, of the importance of it. And, and here we are today. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting because there's the pendulum and it's swung so far in one direction that even a lot of players, I feel like are getting passed up for big time colleges, even smaller schools, and then professional contracts. I don't know if you're familiar with, I watched Preston Morrison a few years ago and big 12 pitcher of the year doesn't even get drafted as a junior, comes back. <laughs> once again, has a phenomenal season for TCU, gets drafted in maybe the eighth or 16th round, something a little bit later. And I'm like, this guy is maybe the best pitcher in college baseball at this time. And he just got totally neglected by uh, Major League Baseball. So um, I think it's a message that needs to be heard. As, as we uh, kind of look at pitchers and we have this focus on velocity, these guys that are focusing more so on accuracy early on, what is that, what are you seeing that leads to later in their careers, especially when they get to college and, um, you know, they're competing at a slightly higher level? I feel like that's probably the biggest question slash idea that I'm constantly trying to, to explain, or at least the way that I interpret uh, what velocity is. And I feel like when people think of velocity, they, they think of hundred miles an hour. We'll just go off the baseline of like, that is velocity. The, the harder, the better, you know, and that's what we think about. We think of hard, you know, the way I kind of think of velocity is everybody throws a velocity. Everybody possesses some sort of velocity when they throw a baseball, whether it's 40 miles an hour, like a batting practice major league thrower or, or all just Chapman, you're throwing over hundred miles an hour. Everybody possesses an inherent velocity in their present state. But I also feel like the big thing that, that really affects skill acquisition and, and any sense of the like realm of the world, like any skill that we learn is intensity and how hard we're trying to do something. So the 40 mile an hour thrower could probably still throw 20 miles an hour, hundred mile, hundred mile an hour thrower, that, which is like the peak of human performance can obviously throw slower than that based on their, their willingness to do so. Um, but I think that's what I'm constantly trying to help guys understand is that if you're trying to learn something, you know, command and being accurate is a totally separate entity, like mechanism mentally in our brain, than throwing the ball with intensity. Um, like just throwing, doing something as hard as we can. And I think that in order for anybody and anyone to learn anything in life, you have to kind of go in a slower rate, not, not debilitatingly slow. I feel like there's an intensity level that's, you know, 85, it can be different for everybody, 70, 75, 80, 90, where you can actually learn and count and understand how your body's moving to execute the task. And I think for me, that's what I'm constantly trying to help guys understand that don't have command. I feel like people that they spend their whole life or they're told their whole life, they need to continue to throw harder. They're never affording themselves that opportunity to learn at lower intensity to gain the skill. So they're always operating at a max red line intensity with one sole focus to just do more. And it's very difficult for them to kind of take a step back. I'm actually, I feel like they're never given the opportunity because in pro ball, you always got to throw harder when you're, when you're given a division one scholarship on 92 miles an hour, you better keep throwing 92. You know, once you've, once you've identified who you are, it's very difficult to step back and learn other things because that intensity, it has to maintain. 
it's like in the one of the examples I like to use a lot is I'm not sure if people played Tetris or any sort of like game where you're kind of trying to calibrate things. You know, if you if you start on level whatever it is 40, you're probably going to lose every single time. You're never going to learn how to get to that level. And not everybody will get to level 40, which means not everybody in the world is going to be able to pitch with elite command at their max intensity. So I think that's kind of where I am. I'm kind of just trying to help guys understand intensity levels and the difference between like velocity and intensity and, and how we're learning what we're doing. And it's fun. I enjoy it. So what's interesting is, like you said, you have a different definition of velocity than many people have. If you look at it from a percentage of here's your top speed, here's the speed at which you can throw strikes. Even if we don't take this top speed or this peak velocity higher, but we can say, all right, you throw 91 miles an hour as a high schooler, but you're only throwing strikes and not walking guys when you're throwing 85. If we can get that to 88, you've just had a huge jump in, I would say a different definition of effective velocity as opposed to the reaction time effective velocity, but you've become much more effective throwing much harder, even though your peak velocity didn't increase because how often are you going to throw your absolute hardest pitch in a game, especially when you're throwing the rest of the pitches for, you know, you're a little bit erratic in your velocity profile or your uh, accuracy profile. So now you're, you know, day in, day out, your average fastball velocity has elevated three miles per hour only because you improved your accuracy at that speed. Yeah, no, that, that's very well said. I think uh, that's very under understated and under under talked about throughout like what we see especially what we see on social media um mm -hmm. it's like we just we just discount the fact that okay everybody should have a peak number most people aren't operating that peak number like for all for instance or all chatting throws a hundred he can throw 105 he's done that but he doesn't sit at 105 he sits at 100 i'm always going to use the games thing most guys that you see on tv the average number in the big leagues is 93 the majority of those guys can throw much harder than that but they're not trying to every single time you know, they've all understood that there's a there's a, a give and take with that intensity where they're at, where they're at their best to execute as best they can to perform in the game. You know, and I think that's that's where they're they're finding a difference. And it's it's very hard to teach that, especially in minor league baseball, because in minor league baseball, they, they continue to they need to see those numbers. And it's like they just try to it's just so hard for those guys to, to calibrate what they're trying to learn in a game setting. You know, they're not given like that time and, and with repetitions to go 100 pitch bullpens where they don't have to worry about the games and like actually focus on like how their body's moving, what they're doing to execute and the problem solving, the, the just bludgeon problem solving that it takes to learn about what you're doing and how often you're, you're executing what you're trying to do. Um, I think it's, it's interesting. You, you stated that very well. So I think, uh, you know, finding that thing, finding that, that, that intensity level that affords you to, to learn. And then two, you know, I feel like for me, you know, I, I operated at my, my working intensity all through life for the most part. I always long toss. I was always trying to get more intensity, but you know, you grow, you grow and you get bigger and you get stronger. And it's like, what do you really afford your velocity gains to, you know, I gained from when I started baseball to when I finished, I gained 20 miles an hour and I threw a lot and I threw a lot of my throwing was done at, you know, some comfortable RPEs rate, rate of perceived effort, you know, and it's just very, and you always know you have that upper end. It's just, it's just very hard to learn there. So um, I think for what it's worth, you know, people that really take the time to understand how they're moving and really have that good understanding of how they're moving, um, they're probably going to execute better than the other person at, at max red line at a, at a hard effort. So um, 
the other thing I think about too uh, is just you know, repetition. You know, repetition at a lower intensity is still helping you learn and, and fire things quicker in your brain by just doing lots and lots of repetition. And I think that, you know, when you watch guys on TV, when you're watching this, man, he looks so easy. He looks so quiet. And it's just like, they may have had a different process than someone else. You know, some people, when you watch them, they look like a circus. Other people, when you watch them, they look like, it looks like he's just going for a walk. And it's like, you'll never really right. know how they went about their life with how they got there. And maybe, you know, when you watch the Japanese, they're big on repetition. They're real big. They look so easy when they throw. It's like the brain, you know, it optimizes how we move and, that's just something I'm a, I'm a big proponent for with, uh, with how we train guys. Yeah. So you have these guys that maybe can in indoors, you look at them on video, the radar guns there, they're 90, 92, 93. And then as soon as this guy's in the game, maybe the first batter, they're 92, 93. And then the guy's on first base, he's walked or whatever else. And now I'm throwing at 85, 84, just to get the ball over the plate and then these guys go back into training. Once again, the primary focus is, hey, I got to improve my velocity. Yet they're never able to manifest that velocity in any effective manner on the field because they've never focused on improving their accuracy and allowing them to throw at a higher rate of speed more consistently for strikes. So what are some things other than, hey, let's slow it down a little bit. Let's work on repetition. What are some things that you're doing with athletes at uh, Location Nation? Good. Yeah, I'm going to speak on that real quick, but I want to hit on that one mark you just said right there. You know, because so many guys operate at Redline, you know, like I said, if they they didn't learn how to have a skill there, they never built that skill to the Redline. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, maybe I should, maybe I should slow it down in the game. That's probably not going to help either because you never even calibrated the lower intensity either. You, right. you never even took the time at that. So that's probably going to feel even worse because you never took the time to operate at that intensity. You know, it's just like doing a level of, like in any part of life. Like it's, it's important to spend time at each of those levels and graduate it. Um, aside from that, you know, what we do here. And again, location nation is more of a separate entity. It's more of like what I'm doing online, social media. We, we do have guys come in that want to work specifically on pitching command. We have a regimented thing that we do um, for the, my local business, you know, Pease baseball professionals, we uh, we're still working on it. And I feel like guys need to get to that level through certain parts of the game. You know, we don't have like a nine-year-old coming in where we just start working on command right away. You know, we're trying to make sure movements are good and everything has to be done in that, in, in that order. That's just the way we work. But for the guys who are coming in to specifically work on command, we just kind of want to educate them on a few things like the rules of the game. What is required of you when you're on the pitching mound? What does the strike zone look like? What are some strategic ways to use specific locations and why is location important? How does location change speeds? How does location disrupt uh, hitter, hitter attention? You know, how does location disrupt reaction time? You know, all these things, most pitchers just don't understand that all of those things can can hurt a hitter just as they are, even in a batting practice setting, you know, just lo- how you would locate and disrupt how they're making decisions is tough. And if they can understand that, hopefully that's unlocking a few things in our brain. Like, okay, this is pretty important. Like I can, I, I want to make sure I'm really good at this too. And at the end of the day, that's what big leaguers are. They're good at that too. And I, and I feel like that's, just, that's right. always swept under the rug with that's why they're there. That's why we get to look at the velocities we do because they're, they're able to do the other stuff. Um, in terms of how we train that, you know, one, the education process. 
Two, helping them understand how intensity in fact affects our ability to focus and feel what we're doing and execute what we're trying to do. Um, and then three, probably the biggest thing is how, at least I've designed it, a level system that helps them increase their intensity while they're learning, while also transferring the environmental changes that are happening too. So adding like a batter, adding uh, our 70% model with executing our, our ideas at 70%, creating that standard within ourselves of, did I execute that? Was that good? Was that bad? Or not having like a, uh, trying to help guys understand what they're actually seeing happen in front of them. Where was the ball caught? Not justifying every different location as good or bad, like just good because maybe he swings at it. You have to operate in the strike zone first and then you can work on operating out. But so 70% model, batter in the box. We eventually are transferring like into sequences um, or testing. So testing is where they only get one chance to do something and it has to be in a 70% clip. Um, and again, that's a very high clip. And obviously you want to go higher than that, but like the major league strike percentage is 63. So it's like if, you, if your standard is 70, which was, which mine was throughout life, um, you're probably going to end up being pretty good. So I feel like that's something that we need to be focusing on too. And then finally, just kind of transferring all of this into like facing batters, executing all of our ideas that we learned through practice. Are we still executing the same way under pressure? And it, and I feel like it's all of this is so neglected because it takes so much time. It does. It takes time to learn this and feel this and experience these things. Um, but we've, we've seen some pretty awesome stuff and uh, it's, it's been fun to watch these guys develop. And it was fun to watch the guys at the Mount when I was coaching at that step, watch those guys develop over the course of a couple of off seasons. It was just really cool to see that transition. It's been fun. So if I were to compare the accuracy component of pitching to something in human movement in terms of physical limitations uh, or performance, it would have to be flexibility. And the reason for that is everybody wants the big bench press, the big squat, the big deadlift, but very few people want to focus on stretching and holding stretches for a prolonged period of time, consistency of doing it. And so in the end, I see guys all the time who can barely reach past their knees when they go down to touch their toes and they wonder why their chest never gets forward in the throw. So in the same way is, hey, this is something that takes consistency, takes repetition, takes time. It's once again, neglected. So to jump uh, to a, a little bit different topic here, the yips. You see a lot of athletes with the yips at Peace Baseball. And what, do you, what are some of the things you do with those guys? Yeah, that's a great one. Um, I had a few people ask me that, like right when I started Location Nation, because I'm not sure if they were triggered by what I was doing. But um, I mean, yeah, I in the middle, like probably two years ago, I put something out on Twitter saying, hey, anybody that feels like they have the, you know, generally don't want to talk about the ifs, but most people that have it have acknowledged that they have something going on mentally mm -hmm. um, and physically. Um, I said, hey, anybody who has this going on, I will work with you for free just so I can get so I can like learn more of an experience of what's happening with, with these types of athletes and, and how they're feeling and what their thought processes are and what their uh, capabilities are. And, you know, we had about, I had about 20 guys reach out. So I, I took like pretty good notes on each, each different person I was working with that had the yips. Um, each of them were a little different. You know, each of them had like a little bit of a different outcomes than, than, than others. And some of it would start at catch play. Some of it would only happen in the game. Some of it would only happen in like a BP setting where they're like doing different things. Maybe some of them felt like most of them said it felt better when they were long tossing, which I felt like was an interesting thing um, 
that was that was consistent throughout the group of guys that reached out. Yeah, that um, is pretty interesting. Um, it felt like as they got further, they, they all kind of said it, it felt like as they got further away, they felt less pressure. So um, I found that to be pretty interesting. Um, but throughout the, for, for all the guys that I worked with, after talking with all of them, I would say it was very consistent as well. The lack of mental visualization that was happening for them at all in, in terms of pitching. None of them really, when I brought that to their, to their attention, like, do you ever visualize just throwing the, like visualizing your whole experience, throwing the ball, feeling your body go through its motion, throwing the ball to the glove, watching the ball go to the glove, you know, watching what you want to have happen right in front of you. 20 of them said, no, like they just, that wasn't part of their training at all. So while it didn't cure everyone, it was, it was pretty cool to get the responses that they get back saying, Hey, this is really helpful me so far like it's really helped me like feel and see what I want to have happen um so while again I'm not going to say it's a surefire thing I think visualization was something that seemed to help some of the guys um repetition also helped some of the guys uh just more repetition at different distances um embracing a standard you know some of the guys said yeah I felt like when I was like really trying to like focus more on the goal of what I was trying to do because a lot of them felt like they were having this problem because of pressure. It's like, well, you have to put, you do have to embrace the fact that there's going to be pressure in a baseball game. And it's like, for whatever reason, maybe it was a coach yelling at him one day and then, and that just spiraled them out. of You have to eventually like get over that fear and you have to embrace the fact that this game is played under pressure and you need to conquer that and you need right. to overcome that fear um, to, to execute and perform under that feeling. So Again, embracing a 70% model, putting yourself in a testing situation where you got to get seven out of 10, like doing that more so you get more comfortable with how that feels. Because at the end of the day, I felt like, yips, there's something that's it's coming on us. It's more of like a fearful concern, like, ah, don't mess up. It's like, well, listen, like this game is going to, if you can't conquer this, it's again, you're beating yourself. We need to embrace it and just get comfortable with the experience every single day. You know, in visualization training, like at least at the way, the way I put it, like you're doing that constantly. So like if you're always running through it, like the only pressure that would come from that is from yourself. So as if you constantly like, run through what you want to do, what you want to see, what you want to do, what you want to see, watch yourself like physically play these things out the way that you want. I mean, that's what I did every single night for like four years of college, four years of high school, six years of pro ball. Every single night I was just running through my brain exactly what I wanted to do to guys. And if you ask any major league baseball player, they're probably saying the same thing visualization is big. So um, I wouldn't say it's the end all be all, but those are the few things that we saw with guys specifically that had yips. That's interesting. I read in um, one of De Dennis Waitley, uh, sports psychologist used to be Olympic uh, sports psychologist for the U S Olympic team. They actually put EMGs on guys and looked at muscle activation while they were visualizing. And while they were very low level intensities of uh, electricity, what they're finding was that guys were visualizing and they were following the same neurological sequence as they would actually doing the movement. So they'd be visualizing without the muscle actively contracting, there was still a nerve impulse. So they're training their nervous system while they were just sitting there visualizing, which is very, very interesting. But I like that what you're talking about there, it takes the pressure away from these guys. And I'll see guys I don't see a ton of guys with the yips because that's not necessarily my specialty, but I'll see them once in a while because a lot of these things are preceded by injury. And 
maybe they've altered the way in which they threw through because they had arm pain or sometimes you know they have some sort of uh, inhibition effect because there's a painful noxious stimulus they have some sort of inhibition effect their muscles don't contract in the exact same way they used to and now they're somewhat erratic in their in their throwing and they develop the yips and so that's something i'll have to uh implement with some of my guys is more visualization work and i like what you're talking about there so what's interesting is yeah farther distance is it so is it that hey there's less pressure on me now or is it what is it do they have a finer point of location that they have to throw throw to there's less room for error what do you think in there i think uh i always thought it was interesting i'm not sure if you heard of a guy named uh, rick Ankeel, but yep. he he was a guy who tried to pitch i think for yeah tried to pitch first couldn't throw strikes so they put him in the outfield and he's throwing like darts from the outfield yeah and then they put him yeah. and then they put him back on the mound and he's like years this is like over the course of years and then he's he's good like things are good so it's like I always felt that too, like coming up through high school, like for whatever reason, when you're just out there to go get a ball off the fence and you pick it up and huck it in, there's very little going on cognitively. You just kind of pick it up and do it. Um, you kind of have an idea of where your target is that you need to go. Um, but I feel like, yeah, maybe just less, there's less process going through. So there probably will be less visualization. There's, there's less uh, stimulus coming on from you from the outside, you know, pick it up and huck it. Um, but there's also a very general idea of where you're throwing it. You know, there's not a, there's not ball four waiting to happen. You know, you might miss the cutoff, man. You might overthrow the guy, but it's like at that point you just throw it in, you know, it's not pitching. It's not pitching. It's not, you're not under that pressure. It's just get the ball in. That's a point out. If you're long tossing, it's just kind of like throw it in that direction. But that's not how we long toss. We're always long tossing with the intent and purpose to hit the glove at all times, which is why I feel like long toss is the going back to location long toss is the best way to continue to increase your intensity, increasing intensity while still having a purpose to hit some, to still hit a target, which I feel like is the, one of the only ways to increase intensity while still having that, while always having that purpose rather than like net throws or wiffle ball throws, whatever these guys are doing these days with throws where there's no targeting involved at all. You know, they're totally, they've totally eliminated the mechanism. That's not good. When you go through a whole entity of movement, functional movement to, to throw something, which requires you to be able to do something else, locate, be accurate. That's usually not good, you know? So with long toss and the, and the, um, and the yips, I, I'm going to be, I don't know. I don't know exactly why. And I'm not afraid to say that because I, I don't know. I just feel like maybe they're, they're more out of a pitching set setting where they're just away from going through the actual pitching mechanics and they're away from the pressure. And maybe that's why I just found that to be very interesting that most of them said when they got past 90 feet, things started to get better. Don't, I don't know why other than that. Yeah, it's, interesting. Like, it's just interesting. It is interesting. Well, the other thing is, and I don't know if it's a different mechanism, same mechanism is change-ups. Guys that are spiking their change-up all the time or they can't seem to throw their change-up for a strike, all of a sudden you put them at 70, 80, 90 feet, they're throwing their change-up to their buddy, and all of a sudden to the chest, to the chest, to the glove, to the glove, to the glove, they can hop back on the mound. And now that, that change-up is a strike, and whether that's, hey – I'm so used to spiking the ball and throwing it low that I had to change my trajectory a little bit or whether that's 
something like what we're talking about here where, hey, there's a little less pressure on me to throw this change up where I need to throw it while I'm playing catch. And all of a sudden I can parlay that or transfer that to the mound. What yeah. are your thoughts I mean, I there? Threw, yeah, I threw all my change ups at 90 feet. I back up, long toss, get back to 90, throw my change ups. It just helped me feel like I was getting better extension, you know, because I feel like guys, when they throw change ups through, they're trying to slow their arm down or they're trying to like really place it. And you got to throw it. Like you got to throw it just like your fastball. You got to throw it in the same intensity as your fastball. So um, I always threw my change ups at, at uh, 90 feet and I generally threw my breaking balls under 60 feet because I felt like I was trying to get as much spin and break as I can within 60 feet rather than farther away um I felt like that was something that helped me um increase my spin so um no I feel like that's and, I, and a lot of guys do that with their change-ups at 90 feet like it's just they get back in they're still feeling like they can move aggressively because that's usually everybody's issue they stop moving as aggressively on off-speed pitches um mm -hmm. but in terms of the location you know, yeah, it makes sense. Like, if you, especially if you're someone who always spikes it, you know, so go a little further distance, try to get it there at 90. Yeah, that, that makes sense. But at the end of the day, our, our best learning opportunity is going to be on the mound, 60 feet slope and making those adjustments. Maybe we can tie in that connection with what it felt like at 90 feet, what we had to do to get at that distance. But ultimately, if we're trying to like consistently prove to ourselves that we can execute that pitch over and over and over again, we got to do it in the environment that, that specificity specificity yeah. on the opposite side the antithesis what about short box what is your thought there like a 50 foot bullpen you're talking about so, your curveball throwing it a little shorter so we generally we, we use short boxes i generally use them not for any sort of accuracy training uh not for uh, not for any specific like breaking ball thing that was just more for like my type of feel that's something i kind of adopted but i haven't implemented on anyone else um, I, we use short boxes mainly for means of workload management. So if a kid hasn't thrown a lot and we're bringing them back in, you know, we're, we're generally trying to work on their, make sure their workload is good. You know, you know, we'll use short boxes to make, to, to, uh, temper the intensity of, of whatever it is that they're, cause they're generally not using as much when you're on the mound going at 50 feet as you would at 60 feet. So. No, I wouldn't say we, we've used that for any sort of command or pitch design thing, uh, but we do implement it for guys that are coming back into a return to throw uh, or something like that to kind of help them find um, that consistency. The other thing that we would use it for would be when I was coaching at the Mount, we would, it would be an option for our starters in between days if they wanted to get, they either had the option to pen, long toss, flat ground, short box, all things that will, again, temper your intensity based on how you're feeling between your starts. Um, and again, wasn't mandated for any one guy, but the option was there to help them feel what was best for them. almost start foaming at the mouth talking about the velocity training and how you have to throw harder and all these different things. So this has been a, a refreshing conversation and I, and I see on or on uh, Twitter all the time, it seems that people are replying and that, and that sort of thing. And it's always interesting to me what, what people are, was uh, 
this was very, uh, very good. I think there's more question though, which is if you had one piece of high school kid or even the coach that's working with high school kids, what would it be? Well, with old pitching? Pitching. Yeah. Stick with pitching. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to go back to what was what I, the very first phrase that was ever said that I continue to pump out over and over again. Pitching is all about location. I've, I've since thus edited it some to help people understand that it's not just a single location, but it's about executing locations, plural. Um, and, and that, and I feel like that one as coaches, we need to understand and have the knowledge of, of what locations doing. Um, and two, what can, how command and when be learning that will help you execute and be better in the game. And uh, I think people get in an uproar about, that because when I say all about, uh, they think I'm excluding everything else. I think what I'm doing is saying that everything else is a byproduct of that ability. So whether you're a big leaguer or whether you're a little leaguer, you have some sort of ability. But do you can are you are you executing locations in the game? And if you have really bad stuff and you're executing locations, then you're going to get beat by the other team. You know. Or, or, maybe you, or maybe you don't because you've done a good job strategizing. If you have really good stuff and you execute your locations, they have to beat you at that point. You aren't losing to yourself over and over and over again. And I think that's probably the biggest, continues to be the biggest misconception of what I'm doing is that this does apply to all levels of the game. And I'm not discounting other parts of someone's tools, but... Mm-hmm. More so saying, what do we need to have in our present state when we get on the pitcher's mound on game day? And um, I'm going to continue to stand by that because I feel like it, it's, never, it's not going to change. Everybody has to have that through levels of the game to, to be successful. So um, it's, still, it's still an exciting mission. <laughs> Beautiful. Well said. Thank you, Dustin. Everybody, Dustin Peace, in the name of Overhead Athletics, thanks for coming on, signing off. Thanks for having me.